Welcome to the Gate 7 International Podcast, your official English source for all things Olympiakos FC and Greek football. You are listening to episode number 50 of the podcast. My name is Peter Thompson. I'm here with my co-hosts, Lambro Sirmos, Adi Gulubasis, Costa Levoyanis, and our surprise special guest for the day, Stephen Kuduru, making his fourth or fifth appearance. I, I can't even, I'm losing track at this point. Uh, but Stephen, as always, it's it's great to have you on. And uh, it's been a little bit, but uh, we're happy to have you back. How are you doing? I'm good, thank you, Peter. Thank you for having me on, guys, on a very uh, monumental uh, episode, being it, it being the 50th episode of you guys. And it's a massive achievement for you guys. And it's, yeah, it's great to see what you guys have done over time, how you've grown from the first episode to getting all these amazing guests on, you know, all these former footballers like Stelios Yanakopoulos and such. And it's amazing. I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing what you guys do in the future. Yeah, and I, I just want to add on the great work you guys are doing at, at Las Furi. I know uh, we've been listening almost every week for news that we can't follow and for your guys' analysis of everything around the league. So thank you for that. And finally, we love having you on. It's it's always a good time. So I'm sure today is going to be a ton of fun. We got a ton of fan questions some yeah. good, some questionable. We'll we'll, we'll get into. We'll go it. through all of them. We'll go through all of them. And I also want to say hello to everyone watching on YouTube. Uh, this is our first video episode, and so uh, we figured that you know people want to see Lambro's beautiful face. He's growing the facial hair out. He's got the the European look going, and uh, we figured that we would allow people to do that and uh, and throw the episodes on YouTube for everyone. So uh, if you're listening on YouTube, give us a like and subscribe, and. Uh, Keep on watching. We hope you enjoy the video. Uh, we'll try to provide some fun video-only content, you know, share share some, some slides or whatnot. Uh, but anyway, um, we do want to say thank you again for getting us all the way to 50 episodes. We never thought that we would make it this far. And, uh, you know, as Steven said, it's, it's just crazy. Uh, I never thought I would see the day. Uh, and it's very, very cool that we have, you know, made it all the way to episode 50. Here's to 50 more. Do have a couple special guests to announce. The next one will be airing on Monday, February 8th, and we will be joined by Greek Mikey from Italian Football TV. You can follow him at GRK Mikey, and you can follow IFTV at IFTV Official on Twitter. So if, if you haven't heard of Italian Football TV, um, you should really get into that, that account. Uh, they cover all sorts of Serie A and Italian football. They've got thousands and thousands of followers. And Mikey will be coming on to discuss his perspective of Greek football coming from that Italian background. So we're really excited for that one. We have our episode with the PSV podcast coming up on February 17th. That will be previewing the first leg of the Europa League round of 32 between Olympiakos and PSV. Should be an exciting one. Both teams looking pretty promising at the moment. So we're really excited to, to eventually watch those games, get into it with the PSV podcast and prep. I also want to say thank you again to our sponsor, Piraeus International Incorporated. Piraeus International has been importing and exporting cargo for companies and individuals for over 40 years. They can assist you in importing olive oil, marble, or any other goodies from Greece. They can also assist in exporting, whether you have one box or a full household of items that need to be sent over. Check them out at PiraeusINTL.com and give them a call at 410-675-4696. We also have another message from our sponsor, uh, Lambro. Our sponsor has uh, some wonderful gear, some merch for you from Olibiakos, but there's a small caveat. You have to accept 
your new mascot costume along with it. Oh, no. Hashtag Lampo. Thank you, Steven. We've had a lot of people on Twitter wondering, even offering uh, to contribute to a GoFundMe for Lampo's new costume that he will wear the new mascot for G7i. I'm pumped. So uh, they'll be sending you your merch, but the caveat is you have to take the costume too. You look, what are you, a large? Yeah, I should. I, I should. <laughs> I'm, I'm like digging my own grave here. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, I get you I'm an extra large. large. They'll just be really baggy. How about that? Yeah, it sounds low. They no, sell this thing. You know, the Teletubbies is still quite popular in the UK. I'm sure I can find like an outlet that does Teletubby onesies and get you a pair onesie. God. They might not go into the adult sizes. Just mate. find, might have find to go the Olympiagos. Find the Olympiagos badge and sew it on as well. <laughs> might have I to go with that. the youth triple XL. whatever it takes lombro listen it's the top half that matters that's what we can see so as long as the top half fits you we don't care what goes on at the bottom so uh, but i think it's lovely and we're even trying to find a way to work maybe the libyako stitching on it so i'm pumped can't wait for hashtag lampo steven thank you for for starting that i love it i'm so glad that this this is this has gone further than i ever could have hoped because i love memes and the meme is is beautiful I want a picture of Labro outside Karaiskaki <laughs> with a <laughs> Teletubby. Wait, have you guys seen? Brilliant. Have you guys seen on the Olympiakos IG? They post pictures of like fans. And it's like this is Antonios from Washington DC. Yeah, yeah. You get like Lamro <laughs> to like stand with his like Olympiakos Teletubbies like this outside in Geneva. You could replace like, the mascot. Who's the mascot of Olympiakos? It's Leo, isn't it? Is Leo it, the it's lion. It's a lion or something. Yeah, so just, lion, the, the yeah. new new Olympiakos yeah. mascot is Lampo. I, no, no, no. i'm all about it and i also saw a suggestion that we start a patreon and the money goes to a new costume that lambro has to wear for the for each set of episodes and i am all for it yeah all I'm, actually, I'm, I'm actually gonna pay for that <laughs> i'll pay for that unfortunately breaking news content. i don't have the closet space you know the apartments are tight and <laughs> <laughs> you can enough, rent the storage enough, enough. we're gonna move story. on we gotta get into news Lambros too busy waffling we gotta just shut that right down um we covered most of the transfer stuff over the weekend Lala of course is official now he's in Athens he's been announced by the club he and Socrates are still working their way in uh it's it's not you know confirmed yet when we'll see them we do know that Socrates apparently will be available for the PSV game which is especially necessary uh with avram injured uh he apparently strained his adductor in the game against panetolikos he had to come off he's he's an old man these things happen um and with that it's it's gonna have to be socrates and ba i believe semedo is suspended so um we will need to have socrates ready and last i checked it doesn't seem like he's gonna play this weekend against ofi I could be wrong about that, but uh, he's going to need to get ready quickly. And I mean, you know, every he hasn't been playing a lot of first team football for Arsenal before he came here. So I'd like to see him get in the team and get get ready because we're going to need him. I was quite surprised not to see him in the squad for the cup game. And I know everyone's talking about his fitness levels and he's not played for a while and he's only been playing in the reserves. And I, I remember mentioning last time we spoke that... I mean, how I mean, how bad could it be? He's been playing in the reserves with 
under 23s in England where the pace is so much faster than even the Super League at that level. So, and then listening to Martins in the post game the other day after the cup, he said that he's not even sure that he's going to play next week. And there are three games until PSV. And I really wonder when is he going to get some, some, some time in a match? Because are they, are we really thinking we're going to throw him in for the PSV game against those devils that they have up front? I'm a little bit worried by that. No, I agree with you, Costa. And I think he'd be totally fine to get out there and run against Panetolikos, even if it was just off the bench. You know, if he would have been the one to come in for Avram when he got injured, that's perfect. Um, to have him jump out there, be thrown into the fire against PSV, you know, you're right that he, he has still been playing at a reasonably high level, but to come in and do that with no prior experience on the pitch, not great. Um, so we'll see what happens with him. We're going to need him. Uh, Lala, of course, also will need to be worked in, but we've had Andruzos playing very well at the right, so he's not, you know, as needed. Uh, he can take his time a little bit more. Rafinha is gone, folks. He's, he's out. Uh, thanks for the memories, Rafinha, as Lambro would say. Um, he's officially on his way out. A player that came in uh, and and his uh, his favor with the fans, including us, just very quickly uh, petered away. And and you know he wasn't too bad when he came in, but he's just not the player for us. He doesn't play how we want to play. And also some of his antics on the pitch got people mad, like Lambro. Lambro, any any last uh, parting message for Rafinha if you didn't say it well enough over the weekend? Well, I'm now getting well known for my tributes after the Bruno tribute, after Kafu treatment, and blah blah blah. When he was coming in, a lot of people said he was the next Dani Alves. Did he live up to it? <laughs> I want to say yes. <laughs> okay, yeah. So <laughs> his, uh, his short levels were Dani Alves level, but was his pace there? I want to say yes as well. He was fantastic servant for the club. So disappointed to see Rafinha leaving. Um, he did everything. He... He overlapped all the time. He put in beautiful crosses Adi, all the Adi time. getting triggered. Care to comment? Adi, like, <laughs> typing up Y-Scout right now. Like, no! He never made last-ditch tackles and had terrible positioning and got beat one-on-one -on -one for diving in for no reason whatsoever. Just a top-class player, and it showed every single minute he got on the pitch. Rafinha, like they said with Arsene Wenger, thanks for the memories. Ciao. Good luck. We love you here. Don't come back. That's it. Can't go wrong without one of those Lombro goodbyes. Part of that is definitely true. At the very least, Rafinha was, I don't think, exactly what this club needed. He was something different. He, had, he has a set of skills. He did a service for the club. But I don't think it, he fulfilled the role we necessarily required while he was here. I wish him the best. And uh, I'm glad we're saving that one and a half million a season. Yeah, I think I think for, for better or for worse, both of you guys highlighted the best and the worst of Rafinha. And I think um, I think it, it, it was good that he was very gracious in the way in which he left because he sounded very it sounded very respectful in which he treated the fact that we kind of just terminated his contract midway through. Um, and yeah, it, it just. I don't know. At first, it seemed like it was going to work, and then slowly but surely, you could just see it. You could just see it catching up to him, even in game, even in the Super League games, where you'd expect him to be probably more 
kind of in, engaged and more productive. It just didn't seem like he was quite on it. And that's probably due to his age. He's the class at times still showed, but he's a shadow of his former self at Bayern. And we, we, I don't think anyone expected to get the Bayern Munich version of Rafinha, but still, it, it's a shame. It was just a bit disappointing, but um, by no means the worst right back we've ever got <laughs> in at the club ever. And uh, all the best to him. He'll probably go back to Flamengo most likely. Yeah, I guess that or I know Schalke were interested, but it might be too late for them to, to yeah, get them bring, up. Getting the boys back together to yeah. try to stay up in the Bundesliga. Love God, it. God, poor, poor Love season it. for... If, if there are any Schalke <laughs> fans out there, here, we're sorry. Yeah, sure. Get Max Meyer back as well. I don't know. Get get all of them. Get all the boys back. I don't know. <laughs> Neuer back in. Get no, Yeah, get Neuer. Yeah, just get them all back in. I don't know. But yeah, oh, I get, yeah, Rafinha, all the best to him. Lala's going to be a better player. Andruzos is a better right back, and he's not even really a right back. Yeah. So, yeah, thanks for briefly being okay for the club, I guess. I mean, the guy didn't perform on the pitch. We all, yeah, we all agree that he's not what we needed. Uh, he's not the right back that's going to bum up and down the wing at his age anymore. He just can't do it. I think Ari mentioned some stats a couple of weeks ago that in two games, Andrutos did more overlaps than Rafinha did in the last two months. Uh, you know, I think that that says it all. And we really do need that, those overlapping wing backs in the way we play under Martins in particular. But yeah, whereas Rafinha wasn't the best for us on the pitch, as, uh, as Stephen was saying, the way that he left... Uh, and all the statements that came out officially from the club, uh, Nikos Gavalas, the communications uh, uh, head, uh, made a pretty, pretty good statement online about uh, you know Rafinha's impressions, how he was when he came into the club, and how he's still part of the family. And if anything, we have yet another big name uh, ambassador for the club in South America, and uh, that's. We shouldn't underestimate that moving forward. And, you know, I'm, I'm all for the banter, but a little bit of respect as well, like for, uh, for, for Rafinha. Like, uh, he's got a, a great CV, uh, won the Champions Leagues, won multiple titles in Germany, um, Libertadores in, in South America. But, but okay, it didn't work out. It is what it is. We didn't get what we wanted on the pitch, but we're going to get something even now that he's gone, I think, from this. Listen, he, 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 he wasn't what we needed, but would I want him, if the, if the contract wasn't almost like 2 million euros, 1.5 million euros, would I take him over Drager, who's been incredibly mediocre? Sure, he's like, you can see the link-up plays there, but he has no legs. So if he wasn't making that much money, sure, I'd take him in. I'm just giving him a hard time because, one, his antics on the field I really don't like. I don't appreciate his attitude, and I think he's a bit overpaid and was a bad move by the club. That's about it. Would uh, I, I think... prefer him over Drager? Yes, I would, but his contract, good luck to him, whatever. He's 36 years old. Good luck to Rafinha. I think he was always known a bit for arguing with the officials, uh, even from, from his old days. But I think let, let's not also forget that when he when he came in, I think Drager got injured early on in the season and he was just playing back to back and like with a game every three days at that age. I mean, it just overall, it didn't work out. I don't think the club were expecting him to play every three games. 
you know, let's maybe keep that in mind as well. But but I, I completely agree, and I've I've said it before as well. One point five million when you're getting paid that much money, and you know you're you're one of the highest paid players at the club. Okay, uh, in the end, it's for the best. Well said. Let's uh, let's move on. We've got a couple more news items. Uh, Pepe, the very controversial, the quality code, as he's been said. He's been loaned out, and he's not just been loaned out. He's been loaned out to Famalicão in Portugal. Now, this club, folks, this club is literally Cote FC. Ruben Vinagre plays there. Gil Diaz plays there. Diogo Figueiras plays there. Like, this is an all-star team out here in Portugal. Just barely safe from relegation right now. Pepe is in Famalicão. He's ready to go. You know what? I, I appreciate that Olympiacos didn't just sell him. We'll see if he can do something out there. Maybe he'll have a good half of a season and uh, come back to us rejuvenated and earn Martin's trust. But uh, I personally didn't think he would be loaned out. I thought we would want the depth. But you know what? Andruzos is a top midfielder, so we don't need Pepe. And that's what we learned in the cup game against Panitolikos. We were reminded that Andruzos' natural position is central midfield, and he can more than capably fill in there if needed. So... Pepe, he can he can go. He wasn't going to get much time here, and uh, best of luck to him. Hopefully, he has a good season. But man, family cow, I might need to turn on some of their games this year. Some absolutely great names in that squad for sure. Well, speaking of a right back that's worse than Rafinha, is the man, the myth that is Diogo Figueiras. I'll never ever forget one of his first games for the club. I think he was part of the team that lost to Hapoel Beersheba in the Champions League qualifiers, and he got slated after the game. And he did have some good performances after that, but he just, he was so inconsistent. And he was at one point seen as the replacement for El Abdelawi, and I'm glad he wasn't. I think he left midway through that 17-18 season, and yeah, that's where he's ended up, fair enough. Um, but I think oh, it's weird with Pepe, because he just, he was our most expensive transfer in the summer, and he just, I don't know. He's not done anything, really. Like, you can't really pick out a performance that was particularly bad. It's just he's not done enough impact. He's not impacted really anything he's done, to be honest. And I, just, and I think maybe it's, it's maybe, I can't remember who said it, but maybe it's like an Andre Martin situation where he's a good player, but it's just not the right system for him. I think there's still potential there, though, because he's like 23, 24. So maybe he'll come back. And there isn't a, buy, there isn't a buyout clause, so... He's not going permanently, so I have hope for him, but we'll have to see how he does on loan. He's also one of those players that came in and immediately got injured right after his transfer. So also something to take into consideration. But what I've been saying to everybody uh, when it comes to Pepe is that, yeah, you can see the technical ability, like the touch when he gets the ball, the ability to play the ball over the defense and play those direct passes for the runners. He's got vision. But what he doesn't have is the temperament. It's like the temperament to play for this club, to live up to the pressure and the expectation. He hasn't even played in a full stadium. There's something about him when you see him on the pitch. It's like, are you all there, mate? It doesn't really look like he's all there. And he just doesn't have the mentality, I think. And I don't know. I said it before on the pod. I think he's a bust signing. I'm sorry. I, I, as much as I, as a midfielder myself, I can I can see that he's he's got that range, you know, the passing, the vision, but I just don't think he has the temperament 
to to play for the club long term. I agree with you 100%, Costa. And you know what? Maybe I'm hopeful that we didn't waste $3 million and that he's going to do something. And maybe when he returns to us in the summer, maybe something will come of that. But for now, he's going to go to Familia Cal, join the H&M winter coat lineup, seasonal lineup here, <laughs> all-star. Love it. Uh, let's see if something happens from that. Well, we then I get... just have to say Gil Diaz. Gil Diaz was a massive coat, and people like still call <laughs> on him goal. to come back for, for the one goal. Yes, exactly, <laughs> Peter. He was terrible. He's got like Hassan syndrome. Like people just like forget those things because he scores a goal or something. Like, god damn, Gil Diaz was terrible. He was terrible. I don't know. Didn't get his chance. Fluffy, fluffy mink coat. God, that was a huge coat. Like, thanks for the memories, Gil Diaz. Thanks for the <laughs> one goal, dude. Like, I think the difference was at least Hassan gets away with the fact he doesn't need to pass very much because he can still score. Whereas Gil Diaz needed to, because he was in midfield, he needed to show that he could pass the ball. Definitely. And he couldn't. God. <laughs> he, he was from like the Academy of Monaco, too, or he's still a player of Monaco on loan. I have no <laughs> idea who the scout was who was like, this Gil Diaz, get this man into the club. <laughs> like, was he a Forest before? Is that what the link was? I'm sure we did we get him from Forest or was he late? He played there at the some point. I don't know if it was on yeah. loan or. There's, yeah, there's he was on loan from Monaco. He was on loan from Monaco oh, to Forest, yeah. and then they terminated yeah. the loan so that he could come. It was some dodgy business with with uh, Georgia Mendes, probably again. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, one last transfer to get into uh, Maxi Lavera. He is on his way out. He is headed back to South America, where he is signed with Racing Club. It's an unfortunate one. Maxi's a very talented player. We were hoping that maybe he would at least be able to stay in Europe where he would have more exposure. There was that link with Anderlecht in Belgium, but he goes back to South America. He's going to tear it up out there, to be honest with you. Maybe he'll give Abel Ferreira and Palmeiras a run in the Copa de Libertadores in the future years, but it's a shame that one didn't work out. That's one where you sometimes do feel like he didn't get his chance. We really saw some sparks and flashes of, uh, of big play from Maxi, but... He's on his way out, and uh, best of luck to him. Not really too much to say about that one, of course. Uh, yeah, wish it would have worked out better. Moving on, we do have some post-game coverage for our game against Panetolikos, the second leg of the Greek Cup quarterfinal, I want to say. I think Round of 16. Round, yeah, of 16. Round of 16. Okay, whoops. The draw will be, as folks are listening, maybe we'll know who we're playing. Uh, but anyway, we win 3-0. Um, aggregate 6-0. Not really uh, much to say about this one. A lot of rest. Um, the highlight for me, Andrutsos comes on, plays uh, plays in the midfield a little bit. We see some some uh, reserve center back stuff going on with Avram coming off. Uh, clean win, didn't need to do much, and we got the result. I don't know what uh, if I have any other thoughts about it, but Costa, what do you think? I was going to put a question to everybody. Uh, we've seen Andrutso play at center mid the other day when he came on, but where do you guys prefer to see him this year? I prefer to see him at right back. I think he looks comfortable there. And in centre mid, it just he doesn't fully convince me. He doesn't have the body. He's not big enough. He gets muscled off the ball quite a lot. I know that he worked his way into the box and he got the goal and it was a ballsy goal as well. Um, but I, 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 I really think there's something to it here with him at right back. And we, we've talked about it before. He's got the touch, the vision, play the ball forward. 
he runs up and down the wing all game. Um, I put the question to you guys. Costa, I think I agree with you. Um, although I hope that with the way the squad is, he can fill in at both positions. Um, I know obviously it's not ideal for a player to have to be all over the place. You know, it's it's much easier for a player to find consistent form when they're in at one position all the time. But we might need him as both a right back and a central midfielder. You're right in that I've liked him a lot as a right back this season. He does what we want. He likes to get forward. Defensively, there's still some room for improvement there. But I mean, at this point, he's still learning the position. And I think that improvement can come rather quickly uh, the more he plays there. I think he probably will see more time as a right back. Uh, even if Lala comes in and he is, you know, just the bam that we all hoped and he works, you know, we're going to see rotation. Lala is not a super young player and we want to keep him fresh. So I, will, I think we'll see a lot of Andruzos at right back. I think we'll see a sprinkling of maybe substitute appearances given Jan and Vila 15 minutes of rest in the midfield or something like that. Um, but I think that from what I've seen this year, right back is uh, the position where he, he might be best. I have to be completely honest. I really enjoyed him, his 45 minutes in the midfield. Like the passing and technique and vision was actually quite good. I don't remember that much defensive work, to be honest with you, but I did enjoy him in the midfield and I almost forgot what it's like seeing him play in the midfield. And with Thiago Silva as his partner, he's playing a little deeper. Again, he made decent runs. I, I did enjoy it actually. And I want to see it for 90 minutes in an actual league game, to be quite honest. Um, but yeah, this season right back, I don't, I, people are so down on right on fullbacks. I feel like, especially Greek football fans are like, Oh, it's just a fullback, but a solid fullback, a Greek fullback for years to come like that is invaluable and could be huge. So this development at right back is perfectly fine with me. Like Martin's again, going back to the post game press conference you mentioned earlier, he said Lala still has some some road to go before he's in the team. So we're going to we may need him for Pesve. We're going to see. So I don't know. It's it's both. I want to say just both. I want to see more of him in the midfield, to be honest. For folks who don't value the the, the fullbacks in a football team, by the way, just just watch Bakaki's play. I'll, I'll just leave it to you. And uh, after that, maybe you'll understand why. It's important to have a good fullback who can, you know, both defend and get involved in the attack. Uh, but, you know, that's all I'll say about that. Anyway, Adi, I think you have some analytics for Andruzos and his, his substitute appearance. Yeah, uh, I'm with Lambro on this one. I was pretty happy. I mean, 100% pass completion, 35 attempted, 35 completed. That's what you want to see. I mean, especially he's not going to be, I don't think he's going to be that guy that's going to be that, maestro for us but at the very least he he seems competent technical getting the ball where it needs to go the movement was solid now defensively he didn't get involved in a lot there was some there uh two defensive duels did okay when he got closed down with the ball at his feet he lost it more times than not but there there was good stuff there for me it's more of a question of where is the value the greatest value for him as a player. And I, I like what I see in the midfield there, but every time I see him on the right back, he's a breath of fresh air and he offers so much. I think he's more valuable to us as a club on the, in the right back area. So I'm going to agree with the sentiments there that you guys have already said. And lastly, I mean, I'm super excited because he's like Toro Civis 2.0. We have a guy that 
plays well at the right back in a different style than Dodosivis, of course, but he also can play at the midfield. Dodosivis could do the same thing. Dodosivis could play almost everywhere. So Adrutos is reminding me of uh, Dodosivis, uh, and I'm hoping that we get that type of performance out of him. I'm I'm with all of you guys. I think from what he's shown this season, he's really made the right back position his own for the most part. And um, it's just great that Martins has given him that trust and confidence. Because I think at one point he was close to going out on loan and Andrutsos, he was either Andrutsos, well, it would have been Andrutsos who said, look, I want to stay and fight for my place. And Martins is like, okay, we're going to reform you into a right back. And I think I think at the same time, if, if we need a switchblade kind of player, he seems pretty perfect for that. You know, if, if we need, with Pepe gone on loan and we have a bit of a gap in midfield now, maybe he will just, he could just cover midfield in like a, like if you're playing against a lower, like a lower quality Greek team in the league, perhaps like just chuck him there and rest Camara for a European type, perhaps like I could see him doing that if we really need him at centre mid. But I think, I think if he's going to, if he is going to play anywhere, he should play right back. Well, another midfielder we're going to see more, especially in the Super League, is Thiago Silva. Uh, he played a bit deeper against Banitolikos. We lined up in the 4-4-2, which is not the formation we usually use, but with Hassan and Kuypers up top, Silva played as that number eight in the two-man midfield. And, uh, you know, he was, he was showing up in a lot of places. Um, he had an assist. Uh, he had three, or he attempted five smart passes, completed three of them. Uh, of his offensive duels that were dribbles. He was four for five on those. He had four progressive runs. Defensively, um, you know, not amazing, but, you know, that's sort of kind of what we expect for a player who is a pretty, uh, you know, he likes to get forward. We've seen him in a number 10 role, and today he was a bit farther back. But interesting to see him there. Um, I would have to be sold. I, I, I don't know if, you know, he would work in a 4 2 3 one with like Fortunis up top, I don't know if that would work, um, but maybe if we do this this four four two a bit more often in the domestic league, he can sort of drop in uh, in the midfield and give other people some rest as well. What did you guys think of uh, Thiago Silva? That's his position. I've said it before. He's not a ten. He's not an outright ten like Fortunis or Valbuena. He can't perform those duties. I think he needs to play a bit deeper, like he did the other day. It was interesting to see him in a four-four-two. I don't know if Forrest played that, but um, but I, I think that's where he's comfortable. He's he's comfortable close to the close to the circle in the middle of the park. That's where he likes to get the ball. And you just saw him. He was more comfortable spraying the ball around the field. I think you mentioned five smart passes. You can just see he's much more comfortable there. And then he kind of gets lost when he's played the 10 before. Um, and uh, I just want to recall, under Valverde in the Greek league, there were times, well, a lot of games, where Ibarasa, who was our number 10, played as an 8, and Fuster played as a as a second striker, or, or in a role that Fortunis, you could say, plays. So I'd be interested to actually see Fortunis play at the 10 and have Thiago play the eight and someone like Bukhalakis or Envia playing the more deeper, uh, deep-lying playmaker position. I think that would be interesting to see. And I just want to say to Ari, great parallel between uh, Andrutos and Torosidis, really. Oh, thank you, Costa. I'm glad you appreciated that. And I'm going to agree with you 100% about Thiago Silva. And I think I remember, if I don't know if it was earlier this season or end of last season, 
uh, prior to the COVID break, where Martin said that he actually prefers the 4-4-2. That's the position that he prefers, but he didn't think we necessarily had the personnel to run it. And I got to tell you guys, I know it was against Panetolikos. I know it was in a, a second cup game or the second leg of a cup game. But that Thiago Silva and Vila combo in the midfield, really interesting. I loved it. The, the movement off the ball from Thiago Silva was incredible. And the veracity with which he took players on, it kind of reminded me of Guillerme a little bit. And then those progressive runs, you saw when he was deep and had space ahead of him, the first thing he thought was, I'm taking that space. He loved it. Super offensive player. And defensively, we knew, I mean, back when we did the deep dive on him, when he first came in, we knew he was never going to be anything defensive. He was poor in that aspect. You saw it today. Eight defensive duels, and I think he came out with one. His positioning is not good off the ball. He's much better on it. And I really am curious. I would like to see more of that uh, deep-lying Tiago playing as an eight more often. And do you know what? This is what we all thought Pepe would be. And uh, like we, we all thought that Pepe would kind of be that sort of taking on the players from, from that kind of central midfield position and spraying the ball around the pitch. And, and at the time, you know, I, I just thought, um, I think it was the price tag at the same time. I just thought that's, that's surely what he's going to be doing for us. And I thought Thiago Silva, you know, he'll probably just be a squad player, get a couple of games in the cup and that, but. Yeah, man, like uh, Thiago Silva is really seeing, seeming like the real deal, whereas Pepe's just gone out on loan, unfortunately. And it's just, yeah, it's crazy how the season has gone in there with those two comparisons of the players that we thought they would be to what they actually have become. And just a point from me, the reason Thiago Silva too could be so poor defensively, we have to say it. Hugo Kuypers, man, what a game from him and his tracking back was beautiful. That was real second striker stuff. It almost reminded me of Guerrero, how many times he would just get back there and just win the ball back. And then he had that burst of pace and a nice dribble sometimes to get past someone. I really think if you're going to roll with the 4-4-2, you need one striker, you know, who's really willing to track back. And getting back to Adi, it's actually from a mega interview that Martins did. And he mentioned this, why he does really like 4-4-2, but we don't have the personnel for it. Hugo Kuypers keeps playing like this. In 200 minutes, I think he scored two goals with one assist. We're going to see some 4-4-2, I think, in the second half of this league. And Hugo Kuypers better be getting some game time because I really enjoyed his performance. I think we should get into that. That was really a great game from him defensively and offensively. I really enjoyed him. In addition to Kuypers being a good second striker, I think personally Hassan might be able to get away with being that sort of first striker. Uh, a little bit more than when he's just up there by himself. I think he benefits from having that additional support. He might not have to move around as much. Like he's not a fast player with the ball at his feet. He doesn't really do much. You know, he's a poacher. And I think it works a lot better to have him in a system with another striker like Kuypers. I mean, of course, you know, with Fortunis as almost a second striker as well. Uh, but in that 4-4-2, I think it suits Hassan a little bit more. And I mean... Obviously, we're playing second-string players today, but I do want to see more of Kuypers in, in Greece in the Super League, and uh, I think he pairs well with Hassan in some ways. You know, Hassan has his limits, but I think he, he works a bit better when he's in this formation. And I, I'd be so much happier to see 4-4-2 come out 
in any game than 4-3-3. Not that 4-3-3 is... Like, when we last played 4-3-3, which I think was a few weeks ago, it looked a little bit better, but that's because we finally had full-backs that could actually make the runs and go up the pitch and support the support the wingers that we had deployed there. But even still, I, I just think that 4-4-2... 4-4-2 just look, oh, it's always looked so much better, even when we were running it more like a 4-2 of Sudani up with El Arabi. Like that looked so much more... We had so much more width and so much more going on you know, with, with the team attacking them than 4-3-3 has overall. So I, I'd be much more comfortable seeing 4-4-2. And it, it's a bit of a flawed formation and not many people play anymore. But if, if we can get it right and we have the personnel to deploy it, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be interesting to watch us. It's going to be interesting to watch us play that. And um, I don't know if we mentioned this on previous episodes, but Sudani's not with the club anymore either. You know, he was, a, he is a second striker as well. Uh, that's what I personally think his best uh, position is. He's not the type of guy to be doing it up there by himself. Uh, and he's gone. I think he's headed somewhere in the Middle East. Uh, I don't know if it's Qatar or um, United Arab Emirates, but he's not with the club anymore. Maybe Kuypers sort of comes in and takes some of his minutes. Um, you know, if, if we're in Greece and looking to pad the game with another goal, you know, maybe we're up 1-0 on Ophi Crete with 10 minutes left. Throw Kuypers on there with another striker, see what he can do. Uh, that might be sort of a niche for him to come in and prove himself in Greece and potentially fight for more minutes. Yeah, and I, I just wanted to say really quick, good, best of luck to Sudani. But a second thing is these players, there's a few players I want to point out who we really love, like I personally love. And that's Oleg for choosing this club over Porto. Andruzos for telling the club, screw off, I'm staying here and I'm going to win a spot in this team. And three, Hugo Kuypers learned the language and told them to screw off. I'm not going to Belgium. I'm not going to Spain. I'm staying here. And he speaks in Greek in interviews. Like, this guy is, like, he's got it. Like, some players got it. You know, they, they, they understand it. And... And we need to back these players, you know? Like, we need to support them because they're giving it for this club. They're not vinagres of the world. They're not the Pepe's who came to model in Grifada. Like, we need to back these dudes. Like, come on now. Like, these Beach. are these are, these are are Coast <laughs> players. Like, they love this club. Like, anyway, mini rant over. But Man, I, I love I these mean, guys. The, the guy was playing for Ergo Telis in Crete. I mean, I'm pretty sure that his teammates didn't speak English or French no way they, very no way well. They so. He's like, I better get this no Duolingo way. app going here. I've got to figure <laughs> something out. But no, props. Like, the guy's Greek was really good, like, listening to him in, in the interview. Um, mad respect. And guys, don't forget, this guy didn't play football for a year because he rejected going to AEK. Ergotelis had made a deal with AEK, and he said, no, I want to play for Olympiacos. And they they kept him on his contract and didn't play him for a year. King. And now he's he's come over. He's been loaned to Ajaccio like two times. He, I mean, it's it's time he he got his opportunities. And it, both times we've seen him play this season, he scored a goal in the league, then a goal and an assist the other day. And I was I was quite impressed as well. He was he was present on the pitch. He deserves more opportunities. I, I, I think it speaks volumes 
when all three of our strikers in the last three games have scored. Because El Arabi against Balg, goal and assist. Hassan, two goals against Dromidos. And now Kuypers, yeah, albeit against Banadoligos, we beat, but essentially knocked out in the first leg. But still, when all three of your strikers are scoring whenever they come on or just doing something to impact the game positively, that's just such a a great thing to have in a, in a, in a team. And, you know, even I hate to say it, but that's probably, well, that is why we didn't get Gostas Mitroglu. Like, as much as I love Mitroglu, like he's such a, like, he's such a brilliant player and I love Mitroglu, but yeah, I'm, I'm glad he's gone to Aris now. And, and quite frankly, it's just, we just didn't need him. We just don't need Mitroglu right now. Sorry, Lambro. Well, Let's get into man of the match yeah, and coach's grade. Let's let's run through those very quickly. Uh, we've got five here, so we'll we'll just do a bit of a rapid fire. Um, I think three players that we discussed are my sort of finalists for man of the match: Andruzos, Kuipers, and Thiago Silva. And I think I'll go with Kuipers just for the goal and the assists. I would have maybe gone Andruzos if we got more minutes from him, but you know, only a substitute appearance. Uh, but I'll go Kuipers. Um, you know, I really I hope we see more from him. Uh, coach's grade. Um, once again, I can't really think of much to fault Martins for here. I'll maybe say A, A minus. Um, wasn't really much management required here, to be honest with you folks. Um, my, my really only complaint would be I wish we could have seen the youngsters more. Uh, maybe I'll give them an A minus because all we saw was Tazo Tsevios uh, right at the end there. We didn't really see too much from him. But yeah, I'll say A minus just because I wish we could have brought the youngsters on a bit earlier. You know, we're up 4-0 on aggregate. Let's... Uh, Let's do that, but it's okay. It doesn't matter. We're on to the next round of the cup. Uh, Adi, what's your pick for man of the match and coach's grade? So for man of the match, um, I mean, I think it it was tough for me between Tiago Silva and Kuypers because Kuypers was also involved in link up and he was pretty good. A lot of the stuff that he got into resulted in some great opportunities, but then at the same time, Tiago Silva was the motor getting everything going in that offensive third. I mean, this guy completed almost 90 passes. Incredible. He was all over the place. So I think in the end, I'm going to end up giving it to Thiago Silva. I have the midfield bias. So if it's going to lean somewhere, it's going to go to the midfielder. And then I'm also going to give Martins an A- minus because when you're up 5 nothing aggregate, there is zero reason for you not to play some of the young guys and get a look in. So I would have liked to see uh, Liatos was on the bench. I would have liked to see him too. Um, but at, at, we got at least some look at Zelios, even though it was, what, 10 minutes and five back passes. I would have Very loved brief, to see a yeah. little bit. Yeah, I would have loved to see more than that. But yeah, um, I'm overall pretty happy. I'll just add on. We'll probably draw Panathinaikos in the next round. It'll just be a bunch of friendlies, really easy, three, four nils. So they'll probably play in the next round. Just no worries. Um, Lambro, you're on. forgetting. Every game we play is a friendly. Every Olympiago game we play, play is a... friendlies. Pablo Garcia and Pauk play finals. This is true. I forget that all the time. Thank you for reminding me. I just want to go non-man of the match. Mohamed Drager, really mediocre defensively. Just want to throw that out there. This man's Lazar, also mediocre. Lazar, also Jose mediocre. Jose Holebas, surprise, surprise, also mediocre. Okay, I love Holebas. <laughs> no comment on that one, but just just disappointing. Anyway, man of the match, I'm not going for this midfield BS. Hugo Kuypers has the same birthday as me, February 7th, this Sunday. Happy early birthday, Hugo Kuypers, man of the match, my man. 
and coaching grade yeah yeah man a i would definitely go for but the only thing is like was Semedo really necessary at like the 67th minute that was kind of a strange one and then avram pulled up injured and we kind of had to chuck buhalakis at center back it's the only fault i have again the youngster so like it's not worth even mentioning i would just say a great match there was nobody else by the way for defense on the team sheet. Yeah. Christophilopoulos, the academy kid, was on the bench. Ah. Oh. Mm. Yeah. But I think, uh, I mean, you, you raised the point, why did he bring Semedo on? Um, uh, and I can't remember. He, I mean, he brought first team players on, didn't he? Yeah, he brought Semedo on. Did Valbuena on too? Yeah. Yeah, Valbuena yeah, came on at right? 65, 66 minutes, something he, around there. He came on. I think it's clear... I was frustrated as well that the youth team players didn't come on. I was like, come on, man. It's 4-0, 5-0, 6-0. Seriously, like, if you're not going to give them a run out now, when are you going to give it to them? But I think uh, I think it's clear in his mind that he wants to keep all his first team players match fit. So even if he gave them 20, 25 minutes, they get a run out and they keep their rhythm going. Um, so, I don't know. I, I was... Uh, I was a bit annoyed not to see the youngsters, but yeah, I agree with you guys, like an A- minus or a B plus for the coach. And uh, man of the match, uh, midfield bias, me too. Uh, Thiago. Um, well, I mean, I, I always try to find any excuse to give Hassan man of the match because Hassan is the prince of Egypt and, you know, he's just, he's just the king of being so bad he's good. Um, but I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go with, with Lambro as well. I'm going to go with Kuypers who doesn't share the same birthday as me, but fun fact, Abel Tarat shares the same birthday as me. So there you go. That is incredibly <laughs> random. Chuba Ash Pop shares the same birthday heard. as me. <laughs> well, well, don't act like you're not the king of random nonsense. Okay, yeah. I, Alberto Botia in 2014 had a name to know. I'm just joking. And um, coaches grade, yeah, I, I would have liked to have seen a couple of the youth players. They literally just came and watched a football match pretty much. They just watch the older guys just go out there and do their thing. Um, but I do appreciate that, the, you know, the first team players do need to be match fit as well, even if it's when we're five nil up on aggregate. Um, so I'm going to give Martins an A. I won't give him a good old English A star, but um, yeah, not really much to fall in there, to be honest. Does Pedro Martins, he gives off like the Mourinho vibe where he like doesn't, doesn't care about the academy at all. Like, they like he like sees them in like the little cafeteria and he's like what's your name again and he's like i'm our highest rated wonder kid you don't even know who i am like i don't know i just get that vibe from martins but anyway um Peter, moving I have on to, to say, some... it's like pedro martins gives um the the youth kids the socrates to oleg treatment he's like yes yeah, he's like that that guy's from serbia pedro like <laughs> Anyway, let's let's move on. We have a whole bunch of fan questions. We're going to try to get to all of them. Uh, we will start with uh, SZ on Twitter at Fetanos. Uh, great, great fan of ours and uh, great interactions and tweets from him always. Uh, his first question, now that we have two high-profile French players who love the club and the French league becomes a budget league this summer, do you guys think they can affect these players who would normally sign for clubs in top four leagues to sign for us instead? With Lala, of course, being the uh, the the example of that, you know, we have him, we have Yanam Vila, former French international, we have Valbuena, former French international. So, Adi, what do you think about this question? Yes, 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 guys. France, 
that market is about to be pillaged. I don't know if you've seen the latest. If you guys haven't followed our previous guest, Muhammad Ali, or the French Football League Twitter, it is a mess. It's an absolute mess. They're about to take a haircut of almost 50% on what the original Media Pro deal was. They're not even going to get what was the minimum that they considered from this auction. And I love it. Guys, we're going to be able to get quality that we never dreamed of coming. I brought up before, Lala, based on the Scout metrics, number two right back in the French League. That's nothing to shake a stick at. We never would have gotten this guy. It's Podence-level highway robbery in terms of how we got that player. But yeah, there's going to be more deals like this because these teams are going to have to make sales to make up now for the lack of money coming in. Just so you guys know, the original Media Pro deal was almost $1.4 billion a season. It's now getting to the point they might not even get $800 million per season. It might be even less than that. So they're getting probably half the money in terms of TV rights that they were expecting and that these clubs were budgeting for. There's going to be sell-offs. There's going to be product available. There's a reason why Greek teams have all these French connections now. French sporting directors. French general managers or some connection, this is going to be the market to go after because the deals will be there. I just want to say, I know the big names are flashy. I know the Memphis Depays of the world have Lambro all excited, but we got to, we've got to find more Madi Camaraz people. We've got to find the young prospects, pick them up for pennies. It'll be like we're buying from Greek teams. We'll just get these kids young, promising. We can buy 20 of them. And just that's just like Marinaki's pocket change. She can just throw it at some French club and bring in like 20, you know, 19-year-old French midfielders. Like that's that's how I want to just destroy this market, get so much young talent in the club, see if some of them stick. And uh, if we still have some money waiting away, we can go find some some old player to bring in, some big name, uh, see if Jan and Vila can use his connections. But either way, yeah, clubs across the world are going to be raiding France and Olympiacos has to get into that. Well, you know, I, I would I would agree with you, Peter. Like the Greek league normally does go for peanuts, but you know, if you haven't heard already, Pinakas is going for three million, according to Gulias and Larissa. So you know, not exactly peanuts for us anymore. But yeah, and to be fair, Larissa are going to Europe next year. Like they're a big club. Yeah, you, you know, they're yeah. making Europe. Yeah, they're going to the the conference 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 league. They signed Stifler, guys. Didn't you see on Twitter? <laughs> I saw the meme, yeah. Also, sorry, 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 Michael, the senior of Hellas Football. I apologize. Um, I, I just, I can I say something real quick? Yeah. Like, you could buy Larissa for like less than three million euros if we're being completely honest. Like, Kuyas would sell them for 750. I promise you, 750,000. And he's like, he he's he's throwing all of the money in the back of his Citroen C3 or something, and he's on the highway back to Athens. Like he's out of there. So he needs to do more. He needs to like be on more billboards, like for his his lawyering business. You know that is true. Defending people for throwing parties in the middle of a pandemic. Um, a couple more quick hitters from Fetanos. Uh, how does this team compare to last season's team? The question that we ask ourselves all the time, but with the new transfers in. Um, is our starting 11 better than last season? Uh, if I'm going off the top of my head, I'm still going to say no, or at least if we're including Podence, I'm probably going to say no. Uh, El Arabi was playing a bit better last year, although he's been better than a lot of people, including us, have given credit for this year. 
Guillerme was in, Chimikas was in. Chimikas is still better than Oleg as much as we love Oleg. And, you know, we're excited about Lala, but we still need to see him on the pitch. So I'll say last year is still a better team. And, uh, you know, the big win against Arsenal supports that as well. Yeah, I think I agree with you, Peter. And I think it, if maybe it will be closer if Lala and Socrates were already integrated fully into the team and we were having them all firing, firing on all cylinders. And maybe then it would come close. But judging from the European performances from last season and this season still, and we are yet to play PSV and even match last season's kind of kind of milestone of reaching the Europa League round of 16. Um, I'm still going to say last season as well. I think Simikas was the finished article. Oleg is hopefully going to get there. And um, yeah, we'll have, to, we'll have to see how this team does the rest of the, in the rest of the campaign. And then one more question from Fetanos. Lambro, it seems like this one was directed to you. What are you going to miss more? Rafinha the player or the Rafinha shorts? The, the Thigh Thursday shorts? I'm going to miss the shorts because we had a photo ready for Thigh Thursday. Rest in peace, Thigh Thursday. <laughs> of me on my bike um, on a recent bike trip we were ready to throw out. So we're going to miss Thigh Thursdays. And if I can say one thing about the comparison to last year. I don't know. Like It's going to be close the second half of the season. Like They've... They've put it together, and if we take, I'm going to take Podense out because we're going to compare two second half of the seasons. It's close, guys. Like Jan and Via, I don't know if we're ready for this conversation, but is he better than Guillerme? I think so, personally. I'm just, I'm just on the Jan so. and Via hype train. Me and every single reporter in Greece are on the hype train. You guys aren't. I'm on the hype train. So, <laughs> anyway, it's good. Like, re-ask us this question in June, and we'll, and I'll have a good answer for you then. It's all about Lala, and it's all about Socrates, and Ba as well. Ba has been playing well, so we'll see. It, it's definitely close. The potential is definitely there. Potential-wise, I think this team could be better than last season. However, it's going to depend if we get the Lala of Strasbourg, and he meshes quickly and meshes well, how Oleg performs, and what Bruma we get. If Bruma performs at the level we know he can perform and we get that wing play that we were used to getting last season, you can make that argument. But uh, there's a lot of ifs. Well, moving on to a question that we got from Olifan1925, another one for Lambro. Uh, is there a GoFundMe out there for the Teletubbies outfit? Um, we will have more information on that. That's all I'm going to say there. But we just wanted to address that question uh, before we forgot. Uh, next up, Bill Clay Jr., uh, who is at T.Tonian on Twitter. Uh, thoughts on the downfall of Bonifinaikos? Are you happy to see them so low, or is it like Joker told Batman, we need each other? Personally, and, you know, I'm, I'm Xenos, uh, so please, you know, that is my disclaimer. Um, you know, I've not grown up in the rivalry, but... Um, I personally think it's good for Panathinaikos to be competitive. I think it means a lot more when you win and it, you know, it just makes the games that much more fiery when they're, you know, when they're consistently close and there's something to fight for. Like right now, if we play Panathinaikos, it's like, yeah, you know, you win the game, but like we could lose and still walk the league and Panathinaikos are all the way down the table. So for me, uh, I do want to see Panathinaikos, you know, be up there. Um, although if you ask me like, a team that's more competitive with us right now, Bauk, if you ask me, like, 
<laughs> if Pow just like dropped off the face of the earth, would you be mad? You know, I probably wouldn't. So um, I don't know. I'm interested in what the uh, what the Greeks have uh, as an answer for this question. Panathinaikos is our rival. Always have been, always will be. It's always been about the red and white versus the green. Even if they're not as good as they were some years ago when they had that team with Gibril Cisse, Gilberto Silva, um, the year they won the league and, and the season after that, that was a, a competitive, competitive league. It doesn't change the fact. We want to beat them always. The games against Bauk and Ike, they have nothing to do. And if you've you've been to these kinds of games, I, I, I've I've been to a few derbies in Karaiskaki. That season when there were the riots uh, with uh, with Cisse and uh, and Marina, because I was at that game two one. But I was also there the season we beat them three 0 I think El, El Yunusi scored a goal. It was a three 0 victory, and like they were terrible. But like they were so bad that you just like. I mean, personally, me, it was just like. I'm happy because like we're beating them, but I, I I did also feel a little bit sorry for them. And like there were guys ar around me and like, oh, I don't care. It's all about beating them. I, we don't care how crap they are. It's just all about beating them. So I want them strong. Like I want to have competition from them. I don't I don't care if I can bulk. Um I, I want Banathan Costa to, to have a strong team. Hundred percent. I, I can add on. I've also been the stadium during European games, but I've been for a Panathinaikos game, and the atmosphere is top. Like it is nothing else. The place is rocking. And during the game, if it, if the game's not going well, the game I was at, Marcus Barrick scored in the first five minutes, and the nerves in that building are intense. People like this is not like we may watch on TV, and now there's no fans, so it's a little more laid back. But like when you're there and it's a big game and Things aren't going well against Panathinaikos. That stadium is like every touch is a whistle, every touch is a boo, every touch is you're you're a coat, you're terrible. Like I think we're that's a real thing. Like people get on the back of players and like especially in these games, like these games are rough if you're having a bad game as like a buhalakis or like something like that. Not buhalakis generally, but overall, these are different games. Oh, the and, Greek players get more always. They do. Yeah, the, always the players, Yeah. But when things go well and the music comes on when the when we score like a third goal, <laughs> things are good. They, you're hugging random people. Like there's nothing like it. Yeah, exactly. Like it's magical. And you don't get that in like a European game, even though the European games are intense and blah blah blah. Like I still feel like those atmospheres and those nights are something else. I think because of what it has represented for me, Panathinaikos is always that demon. I will admit, especially I want to say in that the 2012, 2013, 2014, those years, I, I just pitied them. And there were times when the Derby didn't feel like the Derby to me, but part of what I think makes the Derby with Panathinaikos also so special is their reputation in Europe. Because besides them and us, what other Greek team has really done anything in European competition? Now, forget the last 10 years, of course. Panathinaikos hasn't really been around as much. But they have that DNA. And that also contributes to this. Because we are 
in European terms, the top two teams in Greece in that respect. That pedigree is there and it pushes the derby forward. So all of that, I think, contributes. You know, when we when we see Panathinaikos in Europe or when we used to, we would see a team that could do something. But now when we look at when we look at Bauk, okay, they're our competition for the title, but we laugh at them in Europe. They don't do anything. They haven't done anything yet. They haven't gotten to that level where, on, at least on an international stage, where I can take them seriously. And I think part of that plays into why this derby is the derby for us and why they are the rivals for us. I mean, what, I, what I'll say is, is that um, the closest comparison I can make is when Rangers went and got relegated from the Scottish Premier League and that league just became a barren wasteland because Celtic were just monopolising that league every season. And I'm not saying that's what would happen in Greece if for some reason Panathinaikos suffered the same fate as Dijk did a few years back when they went down to the third or fourth division. But yeah, ultimately it is like but it is like what the Joker said when they he needs Batman, they need each other. Read the killing joke, by the way, it's a very good comic. I, I wouldn't want to see Banithinaikos like waste away or be liquidated or anything like that because ultimately the, for, for the betterment of Greek football, we need a team with that European pedigree and the reputation and the rivalry that Banithinaikos has with us. It's, a, it's one of the biggest derbies in the world and it's watched by people all over the globe when it's, and especially when, well, with fans or no fans, it's such an important game regardless of the title, regardless of, you know, what like positions, like if you get the, if you get the bragging rights over your biggest rivals, that's, that's one of the big wins of the season. Don't forget also folks, if Bao get back and are in Europe again and they're getting results, that's huge for the coefficient. In the years when Olympiakos and Panathinaikos were both, you know, top pedigree teams in Europe, like on the same level when the rivalry was heated, like Greece was a top team in the in the coefficient. They were right in that tier, right below the top five leagues. We need that back for Olympiakos. If you love Olympiakos and want to see them succeed in Europe, we need Panathinaikos to come back and be that European power because folks, Pauk aren't going to do it. It's not looking like it. Anyway, moving on. Hey, Peter, can I, can oh. I just jump in real quick? I have one last point on this. This is so true. Coming out here to school here, and I'm friends with some Spanish kids, Italian kids, and they ask me, oh, you're Greek, what team do you follow? They'll ask first, Olympiacos or Panathinaikos? There's no other teams to people here in Greece, really, than Olympiacos and Panathinaikos. It's that easy. Pauk is a nothing team in Europe. No one knows Pauk. What is Pauk? Nothing. So Panathinaikos is a top team that people know. And if this league is going to be anything... You need the top team that everyone else knows in Europe because the other teams in the world, maybe they'll win a game over us once in a while, but they're never going to... What are they going to do in Europe? They're nothing. So we need Panathinaikos back. I'm sorry to the opposition supporters who may be listening, but that, well, that's the truth. It, it wouldn't be an episode of the Gate 7 International podcast if we didn't have Lambro saying, Pauk or nothing, nobody cares about them. But um, I think that gets to it at the end of the day no matter how, obviously, Olympiakos, Panathinaikos, arguably the most heated sports rivalry in the world. And yes, there are, there are so many like Gate 7 hooligan fans who are just like, eh, like, just absolutely like, don't care, like want to see them burn. But under any great rivalry that is competitive, 
is is a degree of respect. We have to we have to realize that like in order for that competitiveness to continue, and it's true in, in any rivalry in sports, even when there's such hatred, there's also, a, it's, it's underlying, there's a, a degree of respect. Anyway, moving on, we have a question from Bob Beans that I think is an interesting one. Opening day of next season, of the 2021-22 season, what is our starting back line? Um, I will go with my guess. Uh, he also asked sort of a secondary question. Are this month's new fullbacks, Oleg and Lala, good enough and going to be the first choice going forward? To answer that, Oleg seems like he is the real deal. Lala is a very talented player. We'll have to see how he gels. I'm confident that he is the real deal. I think opening day of next season, we have Lala and Oleg as the fullbacks. I'm confident that Lala slots in nicely. I think Socrates will continue to be the starting center back. And I think it will be Ba as the other one. I think Ruben Semedo is on his way out. Um, ba is probably the one I'm least certain about. If we lose Semedo, we may end up going for Arezzos uh, or you know, find another center back somewhere, maybe a name we're not familiar with yet. But I think Socrates, Oleg, and Lala, they've just come in. I think it's unlikely, maybe Lala, but it's unlikely that they aren't starting opening day of, of uh, the next season. I've got a hot tip for you. I reckon we're going to have rotating three centre-backs, Socrates, Siovas, and Manolas. Costa, you had that look in your eye. I knew you were going to say, I, I, I knew something was coming. If ever I've seen one. <laughs> Jeez. Um, I, I agree with, with you, Peter. I think, I, think we, I think we can all see the Semedo transfer coming. Whether, whether, whether he goes back to Portugal or to Benfica or whoever it is, I, I could see Semedo leaving. He's had two... Great season with us. It's not the second season, not over yet, obviously, but he's been brilliant for us throughout. The question I have, though, is Jose Sarr going to still be here? Because that's what I'm wondering. Ah, I'm not so sure anymore. That's a good I'm question. Not so sure. question. Touché. If, he, if he's dedicated to the club, you know, he, he can, he'll be kept here with open arms. But if a big enough club comes, sometimes you can't say no. Stephen. I still believe if he didn't hurt his hand, he wouldn't be on our team right now. Yeah. Yeah. 100%. Peter, that's a good point. Yeah, also, I, Costa, I that's, you know what? I could see Manoba. I just want to say, I could see it. Guys, I, 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 I really, I, I think Siovas is coming back next season, but I don't think with Socrates, it's a good backline. I mean, yeah. Socrates was fairly pacey, but not, not, not as fast as Manolas yeah. in his prime, but Socrates and Siovas at the back it's like for greece it's it's amazing in europe not so sure um in reality i think it will be ban socrates pairing uh, i'm just looking manolas's contract expires in 2024 for napoli so i mean he's not he's not coming back for another three years if he sees out that contract he's not coming back for a few more seasons in reality but but steven you 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 smashed it like the nail on the head um with a 13 million uh, minimum fee release clause, oh man, it's going to be hard to keep Jose Sa. Make... 13 mil. 13, oh, yeah. If we, if we oh, make yeah. a good run in Europe as well, it's going to be really hard to keep him. And that's a yeah. massive loss. And I don't know what's going on with Dolagis. I'm not saying Dolagis should be our starting keeper next season, but I mean, they've really been touting this kid as a, as a huge prospect. Like, And I just, I don't get like, don't get me wrong. Christensen looks 
looked stable and like whenever he was called upon in the last game, uh, the first leg against Panetolikos, he looked he looked really good. But I don't get it. Like, why don't you play Zolakis in the cup games? Like, if you think he's he's the the next yeah. big thing, and we know we're going to lose a keeper next season. I don't know why he hasn't been playing, but but you you raise a really good point. And I really don't want Zorlakis to become another Stefanos Capino, who just gets to you know after Roberto left and the mantle was given to Capino, who was okay the first season he played, but then he just he had that absolute whiffer of a game against Ike where we lost three two after being two 0 up, and that was his that was his career essentially done by then. And I, I really don't want Zorlakis to have a have a falling as huge as Capino was. I I agree completely. And it, when I heard this question, I personally, Christensen sounds like he could be molded to be the one to replace Jose Sa. That may sound a little crazy right now, but in those, in those games, when we're, we're going to secure the league and we, we have a secure the league, but when we do it mathematically, but we still have the playoffs where we have to play Ike, we have to play Pauk, we have to play better competition. There's gonna there's gonna be a tryout at goalkeeper. We need to be honest about this. And Christensen's gonna get a run. Tolakis is gonna get a run. And if they don't prove it, then we're gonna hit the market because Sa is gone in the summer. The, there's there's no way of putting it any other way. The two that are here, Christensen has looked his distribution has looked fantastic to me as well. But Honestly, I, I, there's no way to say, is this guy a top keeper, blah, blah, blah. I know Larissa fans loved him. We have yeah, to say Michael that. Michael loved him. Michael He's loved pretty him. much the reason they stayed up last season. Yeah. yeah. So, personally, I'm fine with seeing him play. Like, I, I'm okay with Solakis not playing, to be honest, because I, I think there is some potential. Like, there is some potential for Christensen to be the saw replacement. I know that sounds kind of crazy. But I would love to see him play some important games when the league is wrapped up important, but against more talented teams who are going to have a shot or two on target. So my take for the goalkeeper situation, here's what I want to say. I want to say exactly that at the end of this season, because we will wrap the league up with a lot of time to spare. This summer, assuming Saga goes, I want to see Tsolakis maybe loaned out. Um, I think it's important for goalkeepers to get that game time. Um, I think he needs a loan. I think Christensen stays. Uh, I think we bring in an older goalkeeper. Um, last summer, we were looking at Daniel Subasic as a replacement for Sa, the, the Croatian goalkeeper. He's played in a World Cup final. Uh, he's you know up in the 30s, so he would only be in for a couple of years. Not saying exactly him, but that's the type of player that um, I'd be interested in. You know, let's say uh, a random name. Uh, I don't even know if this player is rumored to be leaving, but like a Casper Schmeichel just comes in for like two, two or three years. That's probably a long shot, to be fair. But like a, a 35, 36 year old keeper comes in for a couple of years. Christensen is given the opportunity to compete for the starting spot. And then Solakis comes in maybe when he's a couple years older and has a little bit more experience. He doesn't have the pressure. You know, we, we send him off somewhere where he doesn't have the pressure and he can come in and potentially become the number one long-term. And, and even as you said, Peter, like we might even just take advantage of the, um, of the, of the fact that the French league is with like, the worth of a lot of their players. We could probably get a fairly talented goalkeeper from Liga and sign Big Steve very, very Mandanda. Price. Yeah. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> you were <Mandanda>. imagine. <laughs> 
Um, anyway, uh, there, we've there's a there's a question to consider here. Uh, maybe not this time, but for next time, is Jose Sa one of the best keepers we've had? Where does he rate? If you start, yes. uh, I I, yeah, I, I, I really think, so. think for me he surpassed Roberto. Yeah, I think he I has now. Yeah, yes. I think I think he surpassed Roberto, and I'm not gonna I'm not gonna go there with Nicopoli. This I'm just not gonna go there. But but really, it's just okay. He's I don't know if you guys caught it, but I think they asked Pedenza in an interview one time, um, who's a better keeper between Jose Sar and uh, and the Wolves keeper Rui Patricio. And I think the difference he's the difference he kind of pointed at was eccentricity uh, when it came to to Jose Sar. He said that basically Rui Patricio was probably more like stable or consistent I want to say but that like Jose Sar had more ability like cat-like reflexes and all and just like I think the word he used was like eccentricity that Jose Sar had and that, that how that was his something positive but also something negative and you do see that sometimes he he'll last season more so he'd make like a silly decision or like the the cross that he missed against Ajax uh, when we drew 1-1 and at the Pauk game as well, I think, the the draw we had. But no, uh, I think he's one of the best keepers we've we've ever had. I agree, Costa. We've got a few more questions uh, that I quickly do want to get to just to make sure we get to everyone. Uh, Andreas Antoine has asked, thinking about the business, which is Olympiacos, what do you think the resale value will be for Lala if he plays according to our projections? Um, Lala is 29 years old. And if he stays at the club for a few seasons, I don't necessarily expect us to sell him off for a lot of money. Might we make a profit? Yeah, maybe because, uh, you know, let's say we sign him to a new contract and he plays for a few years and we got him for pennies from the French league and assuming coronavirus is over when we sell him, uh, we'll probably make a profit, but he'll be past his best days at that point. He's not the type of player that we're looking to make a profit on. He's the type of player we're looking to come and get good time out of. And, uh, you know, if he can play the last few years of his prime here in Olympiacos, uh, I think that's the perfect scenario. Um, and then the other question that he asked is, would you say Olympiacos has a known reputation of creating or elevating talented defenders to big European clubs, or are they better at developing and selling at other positions? Um, I will defer this question to the older Greeks who have been watching Olympiakos for more than a, a handful of years. Um, but I mean, Mari Kamara is not a defender. Podence is not a defender. Um, those are two that we've seen. I think, uh, you know, everybody knows that Greece as a country has a great reputation for developing great defenders. And so we've seen some very good ones come through Olympiakos, but uh, I think they've also done a good job with a lot of other positions. I think when it comes to Lala, there's a limit. There's a ceiling to what we can get for him at his age. Even let's say we make it to the Europe Europa League final. He tears it up and a team looks at him and says, hey, this guy's got something. Let's buy him. Even then there's a limit because he's going to get probably after us one more contract, depending on how well he plays. And there will be a limit. I don't see how we could command more than 10, 10 million euros. Uh, and then as for the reputation Libyakos has for selling players, um, 
defenders, we definitely have the the volume. The volume of what we have sold in the last 10 years has definitely been in the defense with, I'd say, defensive midfield also sprinkled in there. Uh, we've sold quite a few uh, defensive midfielders for some pretty good tags. Samaris and Milivojevic ha- come to mind first and foremost. Um, but we're definitely, our reputation, even though it might not be necessarily be talent development on the academy level, it most definitely is that second chance saloon for maybe some failed talents, as well as that stepping stone for sort of established talents, 100%. Guys, we don't sell players for under 15 million anymore. Now we're pushing above the 20s. And I mean, we don't, dis- I wouldn't say we discriminate in terms of position either. If you look at some of the deals we've made in the, in the last five five to 10 years, you think about Aretos, I think he went for around 20. Padense went for around 20. I think Miralas some years ago, he went for around seven or eight to Everton. We sold Mitroglu with a busted knee to Fulham for 15 and 16 yep. million. Uh, Roberto went for, I can't remember how much. I mean, we've been selling players all over the park. Tim Mikas, a left back. You mentioned Milivojevic earlier. I think we've been selling players all over all over the park. And uh, I was just looking at Lala, actually, because I don't believe there was a fee disclosed for how much we actually paid to break his contract. He had six months left, and there was this whole discussion about whether he comes now, whether he comes in the summer. According to Transfermarkt, he came for 500000 That's what I saw. And yep. we got him, because we got him for that, that is an absolute steal. Like, he's, that's not even, no, it's not even a, probably a tenth of what he's worth. In all he's, nine, he's worth $9 million, like, according to yeah, that still. That's yeah. mental. It's Actually, mental how cheap expiring contract. For. Big, big, big bargain. Shout out to Marinakis again in the board. Um, more, another question related to Lala from uh, our favorite uh, Wonder Kid Hellas football writer, Alex Kutakos. Uh, who is the better signing, in your opinion, for Olympiakos, Socrates or Lala? Um, I'm going to say Lala because if we didn't bring Socrates in, we still have Semedo and Ba, obviously, except for that one PSV game. Uh, and we still could have chosen to keep Cisse. While Andrutsos has been very promising as a right back, you know, he offers something that if he pans out, he offers something that nobody else in our team has. So for me, it's Lala. I think, I think there is argument for Socrates as well. I think if, in terms of a, from a positional sense, it makes sense because we need a right back of the top level. And if we don't get Socrates, we keep Cisse. And Cisse is a perfectly good like top level of, for, for the Greek league and to a certain extent for Europe centre-back. And he's, you know, I would, I'd still have Cissé if we didn't have, yeah, I'd just keep Cissé if we didn't have Socrates. But I think the profile that it raises, and I said this in my latest blog that I did, plug, um, <laughs> that um, it shows like Greek players who are playing in Europe that he, like you can come back to Greece. Even Socrates, who said himself that he wouldn't come back to Greece to play any point in his career um, and maybe it, people were speculating that it'd be Ike because he played Ike before he left um but it just shows that like it, we we can we are firstly Olympia got capable of bringing back players of the quality of Socrates but secondly it shows other te- other teams and other players in Europe that the Greek league can attract players 
who are, who are still kind of at the higher level. So, yeah, I, I think Socrates, this argument for Socrates, Alex is a great kid, by the way. He messaged me like, I think it was the day that Pepe went out alone. He's like, did you know that Pepe went out alone? And I was just half asleep. He's like, wait, what? I missed that completely. <laughs> he, a great, he's a good kid, Alex. And yeah, I think I think I agree with you, Lala, for, for a team perspective. I think there's argument for Socrates as well. On Greek players coming back to Europe, here's my hot take. Costa gave his hot take earlier. Ruben Semedo sold to Benfica with some money in exchange for Vlahodimos. And Samaris. I thought you were going to say Samaris and I was about to throw this no, computer out the window. Oh my God. You think I want Samaris back in, in goal. white? No, no, no. Samaris in goal. Put no, no, no. center back. Put it as a mid. We're bringing Odiseas in. <laughs> Guys, hate, Samaris. I hate to Samaris. burst your bubble. Vlachodemos is going to Dortmund in the summer. Man. No, I know. Yeah. He's like he's like more German than he is Greek. Let's be honest here. Like, he Guys, probably Samaris. doesn't care about going back to Greece. Samaris Manola Siovas back at Olympiakos, and I, I just see it now. We can take the Devils Rejects banner, Talk but put JVS Rejects, and then Olympiakos is going to Europa League final exactly. or winning a cup. Exactly. Exactly. Then, then we bring back Mitroglu. Then we bring back Jimmy Dermes and Sagan. <laughs> and, and all of them. And bring everyone back. Bring oh, Get, get Dominguez's beer belly so. away. Like, let him lose his way. <laughs> You know, oh bring goodness. them up. Bring bring Brownie Day back from China if he's still in China. Bring him back. <laughs> Do oh it. Just bring back all the rejects. It's not a terrible idea, and I want to say the Socrates move is more like more long term. I want to say, even that's weird because he's almost a 32, 33 year old player. It's more we know Tomato's going to leave. We want an established player who has command of the locker room for when Tomato leaves. So almost for. But again, Lala is such a bam. Like, he could be a fantastic little player. Like, I don't know. It's super difficult for me to say. Um, and Ike, what Ike? Someone someone brought up him going to Ike. What is Ike? Like, come on now. No, he was not going to Ike. What Ike? Ike, huge anyway. club bringing Levia back. Big move. <laughs> Big bam. Well, bring in... <laughs> also, I want to say something, too, that may... I, I brought this up to you guys before he was announced and maybe it, there was like a rumor that Lazio had bought him. So I was actually surprised that he wanted to come back without fans in the stadium. Maybe that's like a little weird, but I thought about this. Like if I was coming back to Greece, the fans is a huge part of our football. Like no fans being in the stadium, mediocre pitches. Like I, I personally, if it was my decision, I probably... Like, if I'm thinking about it, okay, there's not going to be fans for how long? Like, the reason for me to... Well, I'm an Olympiacos fan. I don't know if Socrates is. But, like, the reason I would come back to Olympiacos was to come back with the fans. To be honest, a packed Karishaki, a packed Tumba, too, going into Tumba and winning a game and shutting them up. Like, that is why I would come back, like, the atmosphere. And we don't have that right now. So, respect to him for coming back for that. I don't know. I... I thought of that when when it was reported that he wasn't going to come. I don't know. Lambro, I can tell you exactly why he came back. If you can't beat him, join him. Right? Like, it's that simple, you know? That's why he came back. Um, we have a couple more questions. One from Antonio, uh, a guest of ours a couple times. He asks us, who is your favorite pal fan on social media? Well, Antonio, I think we all know the answer. Come on. You know who it is. It's... uh. 
It's uh, it's the 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 man from the Big Three podcast who argued with us about how. No, I'm just kidding. It's you, Antonio. Come on, you're you're just throwing up lobs here. Also, well, I mean, there's a, there's an argument for Nick as well from Hellas Football as well. Nico, you know, he's a he's a pretty um, good guy. They're they're going to be in competition for who our favorite is. Antonio yeah. interacts with us more. Antonio's our guy. Antonio's yeah. he's come on the pod. Great, great I thought guy. I'd just be fair and mention both. Of them. No, yeah, no, no, no. Yeah. Respect, yeah. respect Nick to Nico. Respect. Yeah, I'm gonna be, yeah. I'm gonna be, yeah. I'm gonna be like this. I'm gonna be in the, the Switzerland, just like Lambo, <laughs> and just kind of be in the neutral. Rightfully so. Say I like both of them. Both. Of <laughs> there them. we go. Fair enough. In my life, it's my wife. She's the Panathinaikos fan I have to deal with, and now I'm gonna have to fight for the territory on my future, my future baby. What sh- what shirt he's gonna wear? Adi, she's not listening. You don't have to. You don't have to say that. <laughs> just, just give, just give, just settle on Adromido. You know they need the fans. Yeah. Get the, the uh, Maniatis coaching like... jersey. Maniatis coaching jersey of Panionia. Or even better, the Dermy you know... Shy Panionios jersey. Dermy Shy. According, according to Shout other out fans. Michael according... according to other fans, Aris is our B team. So maybe you should give him an Aris shirt instead. Oh jeez. Just gonna wrap him in my Gate Seven flag. <laughs> one or two more questions we have actually uh one from an anonymous uh person who did not wish to be named when i asked this question why do nottingham forest fans think they're a bigger club than us and that our players aren't good enough for them <laughs> lambro care to answer that question yeah i was having this discussion with someone i actually didn't want to name them because i didn't know if they wanted this to be on the pod but we were just talking back and forth on dm and they were getting really frustrated with like these Nottingham Forest players. Basically, when our players are linked with them, they're just like, "Oh my God, another piece of garbage from this club." Blah blah blah. Guerrero Afu is like their best there. player. What are they on about? <laughs> yeah, Kafu is like player of the season for them. Yeah. Yeah, but the thing is, like, maybe I'm reading too much into it, but like, haven't they come played us in friendlies and lost like four or five nil? Like. Every single three nil. Yeah, yes. them they're in the championship, and we go up against Premier League teams and win in Europe. Like, yeah, I don't. Do it. <laughs> I don't get like this idea of like our players being linked to them is like a huge deal or like not good enough for them. Like, what are you people on about? Like, it's, I don't get it. Like, it's I such a petty discussion because I think we had this discussion when we played Wolves because. Obviously, up, up, like it wasn't long ago when Wolves were in League One and they were down in the dumps and now they're back up and they've got the money, they've got all the players and they bought Podence from us and people were like, oh, Wolves are a bigger club than you. And I'm like, well, yeah, because you're in the Premier League, you're bankrolled, you've got George Mendes like, in your back pocket. But like with Forest, it's difficult because they have the pedigree, like they have the history of, you know, they won the league when they came up, they won the European Cup as well. So in that sense, their history is very, very rich in it as for any club. But I think with regards to where they are, in like placement of where they are right now, we are a big club because we're in Europe right now. We're in the top tier of our division. Maybe if Forest gets to the Premier League and they eventually start buying all the best players from us and like that's when they probably start to overtake us. But currently, I'd say we are the bigger club. It's not always about history or what you've achieved previously. It's about where you are right now to a certain extent. Shout out to Nottingham Forest fans. They're a bigger club than Wolves. What have Wolves won? Did they, did they win the championship to go up? They, did they win the, Ser- league, one, the league one title to go to the championship? Ser- perhaps, seriously? 
like Forest is Forest is a bigger club than Wolves. Uh, yeah, okay, they're in the championship still and they're not doing very well right now. I'm saying that lightly. Uh, they're having a crap season. But, I mean, like you said, they have a history. They've won a European Cup. I think it was with Brian Clough. So yeah, they're was. not a they're not a nothing club, but but okay. Like when they start making all this discussion about oh we're getting all these uh, crappy players from the Farmers League and Olympiakos rejects, it's like There's okay some guys, of the best chill performers out. In the past, Bukalagi's came yeah. then was pretty good for the most part when he went there on the free. Yeah. Rip some wonder goals like already. Cafu right like back. Olympiakos <laughs> rejects right back. Yeah. One last question, folks, uh, and this is from one of our favorite listeners, uh, a frequent interactor with us on social media, Hanu. Uh, he asked us, how are you feeling about the PSV game now that the window is over? Uh, I think, yeah, I'm feeling good, although PSV, to be fair to them, they're in, they're in good form. Uh, but I think we really did a good job addressing some of the issues in the team. Uh, and then the other question that he asked is our new backline, you know, let's assume Lala turns, turns out well. Is our new backline of Oleg, Semedo, Socrates, and Lala plus Sa in goal uh, one of the best Olympiacos defenses in recent years? And uh, we went ahead and sort of uh, compiled all the back fours since uh, Marinakis bought the club. And, you know, taking a look through them, uh, I think it's definitely up there, assuming Lala does turn out, um, you know, very, very good at all positions, no real holes. Uh, I do think that last year's back four was also very good, to be fair. Um, I mean, Chimikas is better than Oleg. And Omar, uh, he's different than uh, than Lala, but, you know, he was an excellent player for us for a long time. Uh, wasn't always great last year, but he was very consistent. And then Ba and Semedo worked out very well. So I would say these last two years have been some of the better ones. Uh, for the back four, but I'd like to hear what some of the Greeks think again, uh, folks who've been watching I'm, the team I'm for a little bit longer. There, Peter. We already know what the best backline is, and it's it's Bjorn Engels and uh, Berta Botia. They were the best, you know. <laughs> they were so great at conceding goals when it's impossible <laughs> to concede. And oh quite frankly, God. I think it was a brilliant achievement that we spent seven million on Bjorn Engels and he went immediately. <laughs> he scored a nice goal again for us once, I think. But yeah, that that for me is the best because they were so bad now. Um, it's. I think it's really difficult because there have been points where we've had such good, kind of, like such good centre back pairing, um, and it's hard to say if this centre back pairing works because Socrates hasn't played yet. But I think the one last from last season was pretty damn close. I'd say it's one of the best we've had with Semedo and Bar. Oh, that's pretty close to the best, I think. As um, this became a discussion actually in the Greek media. Because they were, they asked the question: Is the Socrates Semedo pairing the best like the club's ever had? And there was a discussion between Themis Kesaris and and Charlie on on Sports24.gr, and basically they they came to the conclusion that it the best pairing was Olaf Melberg and Avram Papadopoulos. That's what they were saying, and they didn't go back as they didn't go back to the '80s teams and some some older players, but they referred to that pairing at the back. And the only thing those two guys didn't touch upon, uh, in terms of okay, if you would potentially put Semedo next to next to Melberg, for example, is that Semedo has a ball playing ability that neither Olaf Melberg had nor, nor Avram Papadopoulos. Like, like Olaf Melberg could 
could play football. Like he wasn't just a rough and tough defender. But I think something that Semedo has that no other defender we've had in so many years is this ability to play the ball from the back. Even if his overconfidence has cost us sometimes and it does scare us from time to time. Um, now, that was that was a very interesting discussion. I agree with you 100%. Semedo, we've never really had since – I base everything off of since Marinaki's start as the, the, the owner of the club. So in the last 10 years, besides, well, yeah, I guess the closest I could think of might, would, would be maybe Melberg, but we've never had anybody that could really quarterback the team from the center back position. Semedo is a breath of fresh air. He's something new that gives us a new dimension to play that this club has never experienced. Now, if we're comparing in terms of maybe the solidity of the back line, you know, there's definitely a couple. There's definitely a couple back lines for getting the goalkeeper if we're going all the way back to the 2010-2011 season that I think are definitely contenders that are pretty good with last season and then this, this now back line that we have on paper. And the one that kind of comes to mind is the uh, Torosidis right back, Holebas kind of when he became the starter left back, um, and then the the Manola Manola Avram, and then that third Siovas in there as well. Those I'm literally looking at it right now. Yeah, I'm that center back trio was great. Avram was solid. Manola, of course. I mean, that, there's a reason why he ended up going to Roma. Everybody was looking at him, and Beast. then Siovas. <laughs> Holebas, Torosidis, uh, and then, I mean, I think in that 2012-2013 season, that was when Torosidis left in the winter. But then the, you know, the season before in that season, we were getting the, we got the best out of him. You know what I mean? So that really was one of the best defenses. Forget offensive production, but defenses. I think we were considered to have one of the best defenses in Europe that year as well. I'm just quickly there's something we didn't consider in answering Bob uh, Bob Bean's question in that if we let, let's let's say that next year the pairing is going to be Socrates and Ba who's going to bring the ball out of defense that's changing the way we play I mean MV is dropping a lot deeper than than Guillerme in in games and you could argue he's the one that's going to bring the ball forward but but losing Samada in the summer, like just to add another dimension, that that again, it's it's changing the team and and how we play, and uh, that's something we didn't talk about earlier. As is the the king of nostalgia, I feel like I have to jump in on this question, and I want to shout out not not a center back pairing, but the wing back pairing of Mazuaku and Omar Labdalawi. I really enjoyed both of those guys, their time at the club. I know Mazuaku made that mistake against Anderlecht, was it where they scored? the goal that like ripped our hearts out. But like, I really enjoyed watching them playing. And I think early on there, Botia wasn't like the washed up getting married to a pop, pop music star. He was fairly Botia. consistent. I remember yeah, he, he, like, was 15, 16, he was decent. Yeah. And, and that was with Manuel da Costa next to him. Manuel da well. Costa in like Siovas sometimes the, the jokes yeah. about Siovas going to the bakery, <laughs> Eric Abidal, like, Okay, like, it's not the best, guys. I'm not trying to say. But we had some horse show fullbacks, like Paredes, Ali Sissoko. as well. Ali Sissoko, sorry, yeah. Like, Miranda, Meria. <laughs> Miranda, Meria. Those guys, the Miranda was, fires. Oh, my goodness. But, like, 
I so I kind of want to shout out Mazwaku and El Abdelawi because they were like, was it two to three seasons? They were our fullbacks and they were good. Like, yeah, about they, two seasons, and they were really two. exciting. We, we yeah, played they good were football under Marco Silva. We were really exciting that season. Yeah, and I I just want to like shout Sebat, them out with Sebat and Pardo as our wingers. My we don't Lord. speak about that. We no, but that was the season they were good. That was the season they were good. Like, and it was actually exciting because they, it was just pure pace down the right and left flank. We, it was amazing. We, that 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 guy made such a sick team with Seba, Pardo, and Hernani as our wingers. Yeah. Oh, just like, and then he and oh, it's because Fortunis as well. Fortunis that season yeah. is cool. I think that was the oh, season he yeah. scored goals in the league. Breakout, breakout year. Yeah. Well, that's gonna I think wrap up uh, the content for today. And we know it was a long one. Nobody drags out a, a Panatolikos post-game podcast like the Gate 7 International podcast. Uh, we do want to thank everyone for the fan questions. Uh, they were they were really great. And uh, if we didn't get to everyone's, we are very sorry. But um, it was a lot of content. Um, so thank you all for listening, especially if you've made it this far. Uh, we hope you enjoyed the video aspect. If you're watching this on video, we'll try to do that more and more consistently um see our, our lovely faces and uh as we get more used to it as well uh, and we've got Heskey there uh for for whatever reason um meme player the the English Hassan as some say Lambro's background is now uh it's 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 a rough go for Lambro there but I mean Heskey was a legend I'll take Heskey at his best uh Olympiagos you know oh Shame certainly English the... international top exactly, player exactly you know he's top a king. player Second striker, he could have been in the four four two with Kuipers and Hazard. Is it, is, it, is it too much to ask for Alan Shearer? You know, Costa, yes. Costa, or David Nugent. You know, some of the legends of the game. We had our English striker Matt Derbyshire, who we interviewed. Legend, legend. That is true. But yeah. Anyway, thank you so much for listening, everyone. Stephen, thank you for coming on. It's always great to chat with you. And uh, give Stephen a follow on Twitter. And keep up with the LS Football Podcast, as well as Stephen and others writing some great blogs uh, at on the LS Football website as well. Um, continue to interact with us on social media, at Gate7INTL on everything, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, Reddit. And of course, we're on YouTube now as well. So if you want to uh, watch the video for the podcast, feel free to subscribe. Um, we also want to give a shout out to uh, at Football Thanasi on Twitter because we figured out that he was uh, the identity of, of the person who wrote us a great review a few weeks back, uh, claiming that Lambro is a Pauk fan and, and just, you know, putting the, putting the tinfoil hat on, the Legend. conspiracy theory. Um, so we want to thank you very much for that, Thanasi. And uh, if anyone else wants to write a review, whether it's a five-star or a one-star, we'll read it out live on the podcast for you to listen to. So uh, that's all we have for today, episode 50. We are so, so excited to have made it this far, and we can't wait to get to 100 in uh, no time. Thank you very much, and see you very soon.